I can speak really low and just it's good, know, isn't it? Just get my mic control going on. Just do it into just just tip it. I don't want to tell you how to use a mic. Yeah, you've got to tip like to see how that bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, on top it, of it. Get it right into your face. Hell I can't see yeah, your face. Cause I'm on top of the microphone. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Cab Templey. I play in a band called Eskimo Joe, as well as releasing my own records and doing a whole lot of other stuff in between. Welcome to another episode, another fine episode of Introducing. I'm getting down low because our next guest has a great voice, as you'll hear. Hopefully you enjoyed our chat with Kevin Parker, Tame Impala. They are back in Australia right now. Their shows are sensational. They're on now. They may have finished by the time you hear this, but there's lasers aplenty. Good vibes all around. So good having Tame Impala back home. Um, we're keeping it in Perth today. We're keeping the love in WA because Cav Templey is a proud Frio boy. You may know him as the frontman of Eskimo Joe. They formed in 1997 and he's decided for the first time in four years to go solo again. Machines of Love and Grace, his album, it's out now. The new single and video is unreal. Check it out, YouTube it after this or even during it. It's called Last of the Wine. We'll talk about collaborating with old mate Katie Steele. Also, we'll talk Eskimo Joe, of course, how they started after six albums, a stack of arias and potentially even their last full tanty. Please enjoy my chat with Cav Templey. Well, it's lovely to see you um, in this professional environment. Mm, <laughs> very. I, I do see you a lot socially, so it's nice to uh, us both to be professionals. Yeah, well, you know, you come and see me at my job. I get to come and see you at your job. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on my job, just uh, having been here a little bit? It's very nice and clean. There's a lot of screens, which is impressive. Yeah, my uh, name's on all those screens. There's some I names. There's demand a, that. You have to also like walk past your photo on a regular basis, <laughs> which must be weird. No, uh, I demand that too. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't have your photo up everywhere? Yeah, pretty much, actually. Uh, you've just come from Rage. Yes. Rage. I, I saw you guys last night. I saw Eskimo Joe at the Enmore Theatre, and we'll get to that in a sec. But because mm. um, you, you guys did on stage talk about rage, yeah, we did. Yeah, it means so. I, I it's my favourite part of the weekend, really. And what annoyed me, I know this is going to sound really weird, but what annoyed me about COVID is that the ABC put their own kind of news breakfast show on on Saturday mornings. So then Rage now stops at six am and then starts up again at ten, and by then you've just lost the mojo. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but are you guest programming? Yeah, we're guest programming, and it's always funny, like. You know, when you go do those things because you've seen them so many times, you kind of have a bit of a surreal out-of-body experience. I mean, yeah. for my generation, growing up with Rage was was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, when you go on there. And then when they, like, ask you to program songs, you're like, you suddenly have a mental blank. You're like, oh, what? What do song? I know other artists? Is there other songs out there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you and I probably would have watched Rage differently because I always wanted to do radio and what I used to do with, with Rage was sit there and back announce and forward announce <laughs> the songs. And the, the trick for me was not knowing what was coming up. So I had to think on my feet. Yeah. And I think that was a good skill for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you took it into life. I just uh, stayed in my room smoking weed, which was actually <laughs> also a skill that I took into my job. <laughs> yeah, good. Yep. What, what film clips stick out for you when you were watching Rage when you were young because the one that sticks out for me the most was the don't speak um no doubt film clip as being like just the one that i, I was on every week for like a hundred weeks and you just watched gwen stefani wander around a garage in bare, bare feet. yeah and just fell in love with her a little yeah. bit um i think about you know i think about being there's so many eras of watching rage for me but i think about 
I remember one particular time coming back to my like accommodation in Sydney when we would all like stay in these rooms where, you know, it was like, we thought it was luxury at the time, but there's like, you know, six of us in this one kind of like stinky room and we thought that was amazing. Um, but I remember coming back to my accommodation and um, it was the year, like back to back was Everlong by um, by the Foo Fighters Foo had just Fighters. come out and it's yeah. just like, you know, this Michelle Gondry, amazing, mind-blowing video clip. So I watched that and I was like, whoa, what the hell just happened? That was amazing. That song was amazing. And then the next one that came on was Window, no, it was Come to Daddy by <laughs> Aphex Twins. Yeah. And I was like, I'm actually just losing touch with reality now. So yeah. I think about that era of just, you know, great bands making, you know, with these huge budgets, making amazing video clips with, you know, up and coming movie makers, you know, like people who are going to go on to become these auteurs. Well, a lot of fi- fi- uh, film clips now have a director at the end, like a, an actual credit. <laughs> yeah, which I think is cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, very much so. But but video clips, I mean, um, you know, visuals have now become such an important part of what we do in music. Like you have to have visuals for everything. Well, and, and also very soon. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Like you're dropping songs. Like I saw the graduation day, the first time I actually heard the single yeah. is when I'm watching the video now. Yeah, and that's how people are consuming music. But the budgets have gone down, you know, hugely. Like we did two video clips for Black Fingernails Red Wine because the first one got a, like an MA rating. Yeah. So they couldn't, because it had implied violence in it because we kill ourselves <laughs> in the video clip. Um, and that was with this amazing director, Nash Edgerton, who's like gone on and made films and done all kinds of things. Um, but so we had to make a second video clip and, they they both cost like $50,000 plus to make. Yeah. Um, and now I'm making like for graduation day, I edited most of that Did myself. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my wife, Monique, who I know you know very well growing yes. up in Perth, she mentioned on the way here today that she was meant to be in one of uh, your film clips. I think it was the wake up film yes. clip. Yeah, and yeah. She was too hungover, ah. so I didn't do it. <laughs> She lived to regret that one. She really did. Um, speaking of Perth, like, I'm obviously you grew up in Perth, and and watching you on stage last night. I mean, and you're at the Enmore Theatre in Sydney, but you're a very you're a very proud uh, people, the WA people, the Sandgropers. Is that offensive or is that? I don't think so. I mean, I think everyone else calls us Sandgropers because Sandgropers, for those who don't know, are these really disgustingly ugly um, <laughs> bugs. Have you ever seen a Sandgroper? It's I like, think I have. oh my god, look at it, look it up. They are just horrifying. Um, so people call us sandgropers because apparently that's where sandgropers come from. And uh, oh, there, yeah, it, there is. it is. Yeah, it's got this kind of like stuff of nightmares. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't believe you haven't used that in any Eskimo Joe um, imagery. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, look, I think, you know, the the, wow. the WA pride or especially the Fremantle pride, I kind of, yeah. it's, it's up on the screen now in front of us. It's horrifying. I'll move it, I'll move it. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that comes from this, uh, if you grow up in WA, you have to have this do-it-yourself attitude um, because there's no Svengali who's going to sweep in and discover you and, you know, and make you famous. Yeah. So everyone has to work really hard to get to that point where anyone pays us any attention and, and therefore all the bands have this um, heavy involvement in everything they do artistically from the recording of their songs to making video clips to everything and you can see that, you know, it, it uh, come up in, in bands like Tame Impala, you know, like Kev from Tame, he produces and mixes and records all of his records, plays all the instruments. I mean, he's just like an uber human. But, um, you know, he's got this <laughs> tiny little 
beat shack, you know, in South Frio where he records a lot of the stuff in and yeah. and it's like you go in there and it's just like a room. Yeah. But he does it all himself because he had to to a certain extent and now he's this, you know, he could work with, you know, anyone. I just remember going, <laughs> going into his little beat shack and he's like in South Frio and he's got this like, his drum sounds are, he's a wicked drummer, Kev. Yeah. I think he was originally a drummer and um, and his drums are set up in the, in the corner. I'm just kind of eyeing it off trying to see how he's mic'd up his drums and stuff and I'm like, can you get your drum sound and he's like oh I can get that drum sound anywhere and I'm like oh okay oh, wow so yeah <laughs> I think I lived in Perth in my early early 20s and that's where I met you and my, yeah. my wife and stuff and I actually I think that's where I actually started going to live music because yeah, growing right. up in Sydney strangely because it's so up itself here <laughs> like but you don't you, you kind of unless you really are into it and you're seeking things out like yeah. it was really in your face going to a band on, on a night of the week that you'd even never heard of before which mm. like, that was the first time I ever did that and watching, you know, the panics and, and mm. end of fashion. You mentioned last night gyroscope. Yeah. And, and then knowing Kev from Jebediah and things like it's 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 such a great scene. Not only because you had to, but I, I think you really are proud of it too. It was never like never I, I never had the sense of you were trying to break out. It was just like here we are. Yeah. And we're very proud. Everyone had given up to trying to break out. <laughs> how how <laughs> so, did you break out without the internet as well? Yeah. Well I think I think when it came to two thousand and four and um, I mean I mentioned this on stage last night, but we had his jam room um, on Baker Street just behind the Beaky Tavern. Yeah. And um, we we had like a little recording set up so all of our friends' bands would come and record there and um, and people like Joel from the band and another friend of ours, Andy, and were, everyone was like housemates and, you know, touring together and stuff, but we were all helping each other out doing these demos and then as these demos were getting recorded, bands were getting signed and played on Triple J and that was, that was this mind-blowing moment where we actually started to break out at WA properly for the first time. I mean, Kev did it with uh, Jebediah and stuff um, yeah. and that was amazing in itself, but we were kind of the next generation, I guess, like... The, almost the younger brothers to kind of come up, yeah. Well, we launched Nova in Perth with Jebediah. Like, uh, we had the Chili Peppers in the studio and then Jebediah was, like, the first live act. Like, yeah. I remember Kev telling me that he was, like, they actually played on on they their did. instruments and they, they were just a bit pissed off. Well, were, how's it? Kevin was on this podcast <clears throat> and yeah. I asked him, I said, were you, are you still pissed? He's still pissed yeah, off. Yeah, he's still pissed, yeah. But, I, but So, what what would you say then? So, mm. let's say, okay, you say so John Frusciante takes your guitar. Yeah. Do you get pissed off or do you go, wow, John Frusciante's playing my guitar. <laughs> Uh, look, depends, <laughs> depends how kindly they treat the guitar. I think you, they treated it pretty well. Well, I'm sure I'd be fine with it. Okay, they're eating pistachios and cantaloupe and yeah, stuff. That was yeah. really everywhere. I'm um, speaking of Perth Proud, though, and, and we're, we're going to dart all over the place. But your, your solo um, album, Machines of Love and Grace. Now, mm. is that that's been pushed back? That's that's being that's coming out October 19. That's right. Yes. Which, when this podcast is released, it is. So, let's say it's out now. Yes, yeah, out now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and you're doing a single uh, graduation day with Katie Steele. Yeah, yeah. Little so, birdie, Katie. So I got to do some cool collaborations on this record with people who I'd known for years, but by necessity we're just in Perth because I was writing and recording the whole record during the lockdown period. And as, you know, as it slowly opened up and we're allowed more than one person in the room, I'd be like, hey, what are you doing? Can you come over for a jam? Because I'm losing my mind because I've been sitting in a room by myself for two years. Um, So Katie came along and, yeah, we worked on graduation day. There's a feature track that will go with the record, which is myself and John Butler doing a duet. And we've you know, like John was like living downstairs in the studio where we recorded most of the album Girl. Yeah. Um, so we'd kind of known each other, you know, in Fremantle and we've had some really 
peculiar situations. We've become friends over a really long period of time. But like one of the funniest situations with me and John is we were a friend of ours, Lucy Peach, was getting married um, in Boronup Forest, which is this beautiful forest down south of Perth. And, you know, it's we're all there and we're all waiting for the wedding singer, this lady, this amazing um, singer to come and sing Lucy and her husband down the aisle in this forest <laughs> where there's no one else around. And suddenly this person walks in and goes, the wedding singer's been lost. Is there any musicians in the audience? And me and John look at each other and we're like, oh, crap, that's us, isn't it? So we worked out that the only song we knew together was Stand By Me. So we just kind of played Stand By Me and our friend Lucy walked down the aisle and it was just this- oh, that's pe- beautiful. And then- and then, like about a month later, John was doing a, a gig in Freo. He's like, "Oh, do you want to come down?" And I was, and we can play "Stand by Me." I was like, "Sounds good." And I said, "When do you want me to come on?" So he was like, "I don't know. When do you want to come on?" I was like, "Maybe halfway through the set." He's like, "You realize that's three hours into the set?" I was like, "Okay, how about half an hour, forty-five minutes?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's one song in." So, oh wow, uh, yeah. So John plays long shows. So uh, yeah, so eventually we, um, I went and visited him at his house in down in Margaret River, and we were jamming and writing a song together and I thought it was going to be a song for his record but then after one night after a jazz cigarette I was like do you know what would be great (laughs) and I called him up I was like I've got an idea you know what we can do is like for your record, um, you, it's kind of like a question answer song, right? We're, we're doing like I ask a question and he answers. I was like, I'll ask the question and you answer. And then for my record, we do the opposite. And he was like, I love it. So we've recorded the one for my record. Oh, yeah. If it never makes it onto his record, <laughs> let it be known. That was the master plan okay. at midnight after I'd smoked a jazz cigarette. All right. And then and then if that, if that hasn't happened, then John Butler, explain yourself. Yeah, explain yourself, John. Um, as a songwriter and, and, and obviously being a part of a band, for so many years, Do, have, were you always an individual songwriter and then took ideas to the boys, or um, is doing stuff like? Because also, you have released all your devotion. You released a solo album four mm. years ago, so I mean, it's in you, you. You know, doing stuff on your own. But how how is it different writing a song for Eskimo Joe versus for Cav Temple? I think the history of you know each time we've taken a step forward, and this I'm got to say this without sounding like a complete wanker, <laughs> um, but. You know, you're we, drinking rosé out of a, yeah, out of a cardboard right. cup, though. We're so. drinking, we're drinking love, a uh, love triangle rosé yes. out of it. Uh, yeah, on Stan Originals. Yeah, now. that's right. <laughs> um, but uh, so me and Joel had a, a pretty terrible band called Freud's Pillow, which was one of those moments where well, fun. Got Fred's Pillow. Freud's Pillow. Oh, okay. I think that's I think better that, than Fred's Pillow. Yeah, we we thought that uh, we thought we were very clever with the title, um, but it was one of those terrible moments in history where funk and metal came together, you know, and was in the mainstream. Um, so we were doing that, and I was starting. I wasn't. There wasn't really the music I listened to, so I was off on the side, kind of writing my songs. And Joel came in. After uh, probably around about the time UMI came out and was like, I want to write songs like that. In fact, these songs that you're writing, can we just have a band where we do that? And me and Stu had already started to jam. So we took those songs and we started to do what was the beginning of Eskimo Joe. And then somewhere along the lines, we were like, well, wouldn't it be great if we entered the campus band competition? And and, and we had this one song, which was Sweater, which was kind of like a bit of a novelty song. We were like, we just need four more of them and we could win. <laughs> and lo and behold, we did. Yeah. So then somehow we like... I got, you know, I got kind of sidetracked again from playing these like songs that were from my heart and were like, you know, real songs about real experiences that were happening to me. And we started becoming this novelty band. And then as we were making the record, like we were trying to make 
a, a record of novelty songs and it was just, it was going badly. And Joel came in again and was like the voice of reason. He was like, this is shit. We need to write songs like that. And I once again had started to kind of write my own songs over here. And all we did was get them and then turn them into what became the first Eskimo Joe album. And then that really set the tone. And so by the time we were doing, um, you know, A Song is a City and Black Fingernails Red Wine, I would write the songs mainly on an acoustic guitar and then play them to the band and then we'd workshop them and turn them into an Eskimo Joe album. Then after that, everyone started to kind of contribute a little bit more and I think, you know, the focus again started to kind of go away from that. So I got to a point, I guess, in the Eskimo Joe experience where I was like, I just wanted to write those songs again. Yep. And then that's kind of what's happened with my solo stuff. I fi- It's finally turned into just a CAV project. Yeah. But along the lines, just in the nick of time, every time I'd write these songs that were like were real, um, Joel would generally sweep in and be like, let's make that the album. And I'll be like, okay, that sounds good oh, to okay. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this time around, he was like, no, no, you can just make a solo record. That sounds good. <laughs> so Seeing you guys on stage last night, though, like it, it, it's it's... Uh, to me, having never been in a band, but obviously working with people, uh, mm. like it's a it's a big achievement that you guys are still three. Like you've known Stu since you were six or seven. Yeah, about five. He moved next door to me. Right, and yeah. so you're still, as I saw you last night on stage, working with each other. Mm. You did mention though last night full tanty. When was <laughs> when was your last full tanty with each other, and what was it about? Uh, I think every time we've made a record, probably apart from Black Fingernails Red Wine, that was the most kind of you know stars aligned, harmonious moment in time Um, but every time you know you're trying to get like break through a creative idea with people like one person in the band will have some kind of storm out of the studio moment but generally we get along really well because we all have a laugh and I think on a human level we we have a good chemistry of personalities so Mm. you know if someone's being a bit stroppy one day the other two will just kind of you know pick it up and go and we've kind of moved in you know we've been through so many meetings in the band where we've talked about each other's feelings and why this person's upset and so on that you know we've we haven't had a full fledged tanty for a long <laughs> time. Everyone's a little bit bit past that now. But I think making records is, you know, it's just a mysterious and frustrating process. Sometimes you you don't know where you're going to end up. You can have a concept in your mind of what you want to make, but at some point in time, you've just got to kind of give in to the process. Yeah. Um. And that's when the tanties happen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about you though, growing up, because you spend. A, I mean, you're obviously from WA, but you mm. you spend a lot of time overseas as well. Mm. Were you in a musical um household, or were you kind of the uh, the, the the black sheep where you kind of went over here and, and, and started getting creative? Uh, no, it, creativity was always very encouraging in our house. My mum was the black sheep of her family who were quite con- conservative, yeah. you know, Perth people. Um, <laughs> I know those. I know yeah, those yeah. very well. Uh, so she was, you know, she'd played music as she was, you know, younger. And then my brother, who's about seven years older than me, he um, is, was really into electronic music in the really early days. So he was a bit of a pioneer in Perth in those days. But um, I was, uh, I guess, you know, just much more of a classic rock and roll guy and just wanted to pick up a guitar and jump around on stage. Um, so, so did instruments come before writing things down? Uh, no, I think I was always a prolific storyteller. I used to tell whopping great lies when I was about like five and six years old, but just like ridiculously, stupidly large like mm. stories. And I think in hindsight, I realized I just wanted to to tell stories. And and I would, you know, 
I would write them down sometimes, but then when songwriting came in, I was like, well, this is the perfect vessel. I can I can just do that in this. And so as a songwriter, then I would assume like any kind of writer, it's quite a selfish pursuit in a way where you have to take yourself out. Like that's the thing. I'm not prolific at all. Like, I, do you did you enjoy? I mean, you mentioned before that COVID was awful because you couldn't see people and record with people. But in a weird way, being a uh, a reclusive writer, did you also enjoy it? I, I was in my <laughs> my happy place because, you know, I guess for some people in in the COVID experience, you know, if they were married to the wrong person or whatever, it would have been like you're trapped in a house with this person. I think people, a lot of people, found out they were married to the wrong person. Yeah, exactly. In that time. There's a few. A they few didn't think ca- they were beforehand. Yeah, exactly. There's a few casualties I think <laughs> yeah. that came out of that. But no, I, I was luckily in married to the right person, and so yes. we were we were having a great time. We're like we're locked in a house together, and all we have to do is hang out. That sounds great. And uh, you have four kids between. Between the two of yes, them, don't you? Yeah, so yeah. It's, a, it's there's a lot of people hanging around anyway. There's a lot of people. It's a party every day at our house. But um, but yeah, going into a room to t- for someone who really thrives in that you know like stage performance situation, mm-hmm. I like nothing more than just disappearing into a room and creating. I, if you just said that's what you have to do right now, I'd be like, no worries, that's that's my thing. Yeah, I can I can just do it at the drop of a hat, and I love it. Um, so yeah, there was. I, I, but I think it's a, again, it's such a you have to complete the process otherwise you know there's so many great songwriters out there um, and talented people who don't do it because they don't complete the process the hardest part of, of making records and, and songwriting and all the rest of it is completing those ideas mm. so you know the beginning the creation part is easy you just wander in there and so for the first year or so of lockdown I was just like this is great I'm just creating and then as it came to crunch time and now we're just releasing this record and having to make decisions of like this is finished I I'm now finishing this idea and finishing Is that. Is anything really ever finished? Well, or, or do you just hand it to us, the public, and then <laughs> you can always tinker more. There is no doubt, but you have to make decisions at some point in time and finish those ideas. And and once you do that, once you finish an idea and a project, that allows you to move on to the next idea. If you don't do that, then you're stuck in this quagmire of going round and round, and you can go round forever. So I I loved the lockdown experience for creating, but there was still a certain point where I was like, right, I need to come out of my pajamas and and just get into this, you know. But finishing an album as a complete work, obviously something important to you, because what I've noticed speaking to people on, on this mm. project introducing is there's half of you like that, and then the other, like the other people I've spoken to, like I had Phineas on, um, Billy Eilish's brother, who just wants to just do something and just put it out straight away <laughs> yeah. so they can just move on. Do you do you like that idea too? Because, I mean, you can't, like anything's possible now. You can put a song out in an hour from now if you want. I, I'm, I, I, I get where Phineas is coming from because when you create something brand new, you love it more than anything you've ever done, yeah. and and that's an important part of being a creative. Is like you always love your the idea you're working on better than anything you've ever done. But for me, I don't kind of get into this this TikTok culture of of documenting everything and just going, hey, this is where it's at, you know, and out it goes. I like to disappear into a log cabin somewhere, you know, you know, go into some kind of place and then come out with a fully formed artistic idea that I've thought about completely and I'm then ready to present to the world. I don't want anyone to see it in its you know, in its bare bones because it might completely change. And as soon as you set something in stone, you can't do anything yeah. with it. You know what I mean? So putting 
Like I think about the process of me writing this record. Some of the early songs that I did, I was like, this is great. I should just put it out. Now that's like three quarters the way down the record. And then the songs that are the really good songs are kind of up the front of the record. And, you know, even the intro track that I wrote, that was the very last thing I did. And now I'm like, oh my God, this album wouldn't be the album without that track. So I feel like you have to go through the process and you have to get to the end of this creative kind of you know, journey you go on to then kind of look back and go, oh, that's what I've made. And you yeah. just, you don't really know what you're making sometimes. Now you've just, you've just traveled around the country on your own. And also um, by the time this comes out, you would have just done your last Eskimo Joe sh- show for now um, mm. in at home yes. in Fremantle. Um, I was at the show last night in Sydney. Your, your, your children were there. How, mm. how important is it for them? Like, do, do they love coming to see dad at work or are they like, I think I told you after the show last night, I, I spoke to Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters who mm. has an 18 year old son. He was coming out to Australia to play that Geelong show. He's like, hey, there's some room on the jet. Do you want to come? Yeah. And he said, no. <laughs> um, are you forcing your children to come to these shows? Or- yeah. They look like they- <laughs> yeah, okay. Good answer. Uh, no, I think it's, they would never admit that they would want to come and see a show, but I think it's really important that they come out Absolutely. and see what I do and also just see that it's not just the glory of being on stage. There's all this like hard work behind the scenes that goes into it um, because, you know, that's our family business. So yeah. for them to come out and see what happens and to understand the whole process and and I'm proud of how they you know hold themselves backstage they like they know the protocols of how it works and that's a pretty individual thing to experience to know that this is what this is when you leave the backstage area because the band are getting ready and then you give them some time and then you hang over here and you you just know how to handle yourself and I I hope they take that, that as a life skill into whatever they do in their life. But I don't think any, I mean, we've got one of our kids who will probably go into- I was going to ask you, yeah, out of the four, surely statistically, someone's going to take on the family business. I've tried to force them all to <laughs> all get into it, but none of them have really taken to it apart from one of our kids, uh, Cassia. She is she loves musical theatre at the moment, so yeah. and she's an amazing singer. And she's a really interesting, she has such an interesting story because she was a heart kid. So um, myself and Beth, uh, my wife, got together, we both- both had two kids from previous marriages and then we got together and formed the Brady Bunch. Um, so Cassia, who is my stepdaughter, she was born with her tubes in her heart around the wrong way. Um, so she had to be like, you know, with her chest cut open as a brand new baby, rushed to Brit- from Perth to Brisbane, operated on. They didn't know whether she was going to have brain damage or never work. She is like a superhuman. Yeah. She is like you know, she's and because her vocal cords were all kind of messed up from having tubes down them, she's got this like bluesy, husky voice, and she can tap into like that kind of emotion um, that that singers need. That is not something you can learn. It's something that if you've got that kind of deep sorrow in you somewhere, um, then you can you can do it. And she can do that. So she does musical theatre and she loves that. But I feel like that's, you know, being a rock and roll, you know, indie dude, I'm like, you know, surely you're going to discover songwriting and just become a creep. Some of my eyeliner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, she loves, loves musical theatre. And that might change, but I could see her, you know, going into that and making that a career. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, it was so good to see you guys last night on stage. Um, and, and good luck with, I mean, it, has, it would have happened by the time people listen to this, but good luck with the, the Esky show in Fremantle. Uh, Machines of Love and Grace, the album. Congratulations on that. You must be super proud. I hate saying super, but you must be super proud. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh, very proud. I mean, it's a lot of work to 
to put out a record and um, and I'm probably more proud of this than anything I've done because, uh, you know, second solo record, first solo record, you're always like looking for who you are as, yeah. a, as an artist outside of your band. Whereas this time around by necessity, I was just writing and recording and not overthinking what it was going to like sound like, but just doing what I thought sounded cool. Yeah. And it sounds, you know, sounds kind of like Eskimo Joe, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> and videos straight away. Videos, videos. Yeah. And I've, and that was, you know, you always ask people, I'm sure you do this on your radio show all the time. Like, what did you learn during COVID? Uh, I learned how to edit uh, <laughs> movies because that is now apparently a skill set if you want to make records. Well, if you want to ask my wife to be in another video clip, she promises she won't be hung over this time. <laughs> um, we finish off every day every uh, episode with you introducing us to someone. So uh, take your time, but um, pay it forward. Is there an artist you're loving at the moment? God, there's so much. Um, and you can list them all if you want. We have no time limit. Well, uh, I'll, I'll pay it forward a little bit. So um, one of the other artists who I've got um, featuring on my record, um, we didn't write the song together, but she's such a, a cool artist and I think is just going to do huge things because you can just see when people are hungry. But it's a Perth artist called Siobhan Cotchins and uh, she's kind of like... I don't know how to describe her. She's kind of like Dolly Parton meets Taylor Swift or something. Yeah, but she's right. she's got this kind of country thing going on, and yeah, she's just been blowing up stages. She just did big sound and everything. But yeah, I've she, heard her a bit on Double J. She's unreal. yeah, she's super cool, and uh, I just think she'll keep kicking goals because you just know when people have got it in their eyes, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, you want this. Yeah, yeah, she sings on uh, the track two on my oh, album awesome. called Homesickness. But yeah, check her out. She's got lots of songs out there, video clips. She's she's going to continue to keep doing it. And classic Perth, you're sticking together. Yeah, of course, well, it was going to be a Perth artist. Always, <laughs> always. Cab- Lovely to see you, mate. Congrats on the album. And uh, and also, last night's show was just exceptional. You guys should be so pumped. Thanks for having us, Tim. 